crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello, welcome back to Watch Jerusalem. I'm Brent Nuktagal, your host for today's program. Thank you very much for listening in. Today is Sunday, uh, the 20th of December. Today, we're not going to be talking about archaeology. Instead, we're going to recap some of these latest peace deals that the Trump administration has been working out on behalf of the state of Israel. And also, we're going to cover what potentially could Iran's reaction be. This is a really important question, one that biblical prophecy has an answer about, and one that a geopolitical commentator agrees with actually the biblical prophecy about what Iran will do. Uh, that uh, that forecaster or geopolitical force forecaster is George Friedman, Dr. George Friedman, formerly of Stratfor, and then now with his own outfit, Geopolitical Free, uh, Futures. We do quote him quite often because he has a great understanding of international relations and the way nations act with one another. And he put out a piece this past week entitled, Arab Recognition of Israel Redefines the Middle East. And so I want to comment on that because he's got a really important section about what Iran's actions might be in response to all these all these numerous peace deals between Israel, the UAE, Israel and Bahrain, Israel and Sudan, and then most recently, just a week and a half ago now, Israel and the North African state of Morocco. So... We are going to get to all of that, and uh, in the second half, we'll be talking about the biblical prophecy side of things and what we can expect from Iran going forward. Now, it has been completely unsurprising the lack of coverage that these peace deals have been getting in the in the West. Uh, they have been obviously they have an have an agenda against President Trump, a president that we are forecasting uh, is going to continue in office into a second term, and so. Um, what we've seen for the longest time is that anything positive that President Trump does, the media doesn't want to report it. And of course, here we are talking about Middle East peace, which was the uh, desired objective of every United States uh, administration, it seems, going back past 40 or 50 years, ever since Israel was a state, getting the nation of Israel to be accepted in the region, and no one has been that successful about it or with it. And here President Trump comes along, and in the span of four months, he has four new deals with Arab states recognizing the state of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel, and saying that it has a right to be in the region, and all of these states uh, going to normalize ties with the state of Israel. And of course, again, they couldn't. the media couldn't trumpet these deals as being successful, definitely not in an election cycle, because it would have been considered pro-Trump. Uh, pro and in terms of the United States uh, population, one of the lone remaining uh, issues that is going to unite Democrat and Republican is support for the state of Israel, support for the Jews. It's still there in the population, although it's not on the political side uh, as much as it used to be. Um, it's still there amongst the people. And if you show President Trump as being the greatest president for the state of Israel ever, 
then that might not do too well uh, helping your preferred candidate in the election. And so we didn't hear much about it. But of course, here in Israel, we've heard lots about it. I think there's been about 50,000 Israelis travel to the UAE in the past couple of weeks uh, or past three or four weeks. Uh, now there's going to slow down, I think, based on uh, the, 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 the Israel not allowing um, foreigners into the country. Um, starting very soon, it seems. Um, however, there has been this amazing turnaround because of the Trump administration. And it, what's been so interesting about this is though while Israel has had ties with these states kind of under the radar for years and defense ties in many ways, at least some type of discussion, intelligence on Iran. They've shared a, an Iranian enemy for so long. They've worked together in some ways. It's been very limited. And it's been hushed up. Now it's coming out into the open. Now the cat is out of the bag. And this has really been something that has been pushed and forced by the Trump administration themselves. It's actually quite brilliant the way it has all come about. And the way it came about, and or part of it at least, and the part the party that's most responsible in it coming about is the presidency of Barack Obama. The presidency of Barack Obama, who set up to set out to reorientate the Middle East around a pro-Iranian foreign policy, a foreign policy where allies were ditched and where Iran was strengthened. And they did this through the Iran nuclear deal, which wasn't just about nuclear weapons, of course. It was about getting Iran access to the monetary markets of the world. Once again, it was about the removal of sanctions. It was about Iran being able to be repatriated with money that it claimed was theirs from the United States. It was about pallets of cash being shipped to the Iranians. Multiple. Proven. This is all proven history now. That's what the Iran nuclear deal was. It was about getting them or getting the Saudis to share the neighborhood, as President Obama said. And it was about downgrading the relationship with the Jewish state in favor of a relationship with the anti-Semitic regime, the fanatical regime in Iran. And the whole idea behind that, uh, the nuclear deal, and what was motivating Barack Obama through all that, um, we're not going to go into today. We've talked about it. It was really the spirit of Antiochus, something that Antiochus Epiphanes I'm talking about, somebody who is famous to history uh, around this time of Hanukkah. Um, but we have that same spirit playing out in that entity as the Iranians were empowered to, uh, to eventually, through this, gain the necessary weapons that they need after the sunset clause of about 10 years they would get a nuclear weapon or have the right to build one in the meantime they'll be able to continue testing their ballistic missile technology which would allow them to deliver a nuclear weapon uh, and they would get all the money as well now what would motivate a prime a president of the united states to do that well, it is the spirit of Antiochus, that same Antiochus epiphany spirit that led to the almost almost complete destruction of the Jewish state some 2,000 years ago during the time of the Maccabees, the Hashmoneans. Uh, Mr. Gerald Flurry, our editor-in-chief of Watch Jerusalem, has an article about what motivates President Obama and what did and does motivate him. Still, he's still around. 
And this article is entitled The Barack Obama Mystery. I'm not going to quote it for you, but I'll leave a, an, an, a link in the show notes of today's program for you about that article. You really need to read it because it's it's more sinister. What President Prime Minister, sorry, what President Obama was doing with the Iran nuclear deal and with his term in office, two terms in office towards the state of Israel is more sinister than you have come to believe then you realize, and that article talks about it. But what happened because of that, because of his eight years of neglecting the allies, of sidelining the allies and raising up Iran, it prepared the Middle East to recognize the fact that it can no longer rely on the United States to be its protector. It can no longer trust the United States to protect it from Iran. And then President Trump comes along and says, we want out of the region entirely. And so everyone else in the region, the Saudis, the Emiratis, they're Israel. They're looking around thinking, what can we do? And the Emiratis and the Saudis have started to reach out to Israel. The UAE is not allowed to do this deal, be the first one to do this deal without the backing of the Saudis. They just wouldn't do it. They have got the okay of the Saudis, and there's a reason why Saudi Arabia hasn't normalized its relations with the state of Israel yet. And it has everything to do with the reason that much of the Arab world is going to start allying with Iran shortly. So President Trump comes along and he says to the region, we're leaving. You better figure out this Iran thing yourself. Here's a good idea. Why don't you normalize ties with the state of Israel? And if you recognize the state of Israel, recognition is tantamount to an alliance. It really is. And even this past week, we had uh, reporting on this the, the test that Israel was doing with the United States help, of course, uh, testing the multidimensional layered uh, missile defense shield that they have. Uh, I think David Sling, the Arrow system, that, which works on defending Israel from ballistic missiles. And then, of course, the Iron Dome. And for the first time in history, it was reported that the Iron Dome can now blow up out of the sky a guided munition. A guided munition, this is something that's fired that is directed to a target not like the ones that come out of Gaza, but the ones now that Hezbollah has in the north of Israel, just north of Israel. Israel can now, it says, it can defend against those. It can shoot them out of the sky with the Iron Dome. And in some of the discussion... Uh, about the, those tests that came out this week, the head of that, the uh, Moshe Patel, I think is his name, he said that going forward there might be some type of security arrangement with the our, our partners in the Gulf where we would share to this technology, we would share, share early warning systems with them as well. And so, yes, we've had normalization, but one of the reasons for normalization is so that those in the Middle East can band together in the absence of a United States to counter a resurgent Iran. That is definitely one of the reasons that all these states are coming together to normalize relations with Israel. Do these leaders of these countries actively uh, or at least want to promote good ties with the state of Israel? Sure. Would they do it if the United States... Is still was still wanting to stay in the region with its forces. If they got a if they got a guarantee from the United States, we will defend you 100%. If Iran attacks against you, would these deals be coming forward right now? Did Trump have the necessary leverage to get them to normalize relations with Israel? Probably not. Of course, President Trump has also sweetened the deal as well with each of these states, the United Arab Emirates. 
they have been, and of course, all these secret side, not even secret side deals, all these side deals, the quid pro quos, the transactions here to get these nations to uh, uh, normalize with Israel. Um, they were all things that the Trump administration readily gave up for the state of Israel. They didn't have to give up these things, but they did. And the first one of these, the most worrying one, was with the UAE. I think it was $22 billion worth of arms deals that the United States agreed upon with the UAE to sell them 50 of the F-35 fighter jets, stealth jets that can evade uh, different radar. And only Israel has these jets right now. You probably heard a lot about this. They also got some Reaper, Reaper drones, about 20 of them, that they would be used, um, these drones highly effective U.S. drones to be used probably in the war in Yemen and elsewhere. So the UAE got that. Uh, Sudan, obviously, they also needed to receive something if they were going to normalize with the state of Israel. And what did the U.S. give up? The U.S. says you're off the United States state sponsor of terrorism uh, designation, that list. You are no longer a state sponsor of terrorism, which means that Sudan, which has been uh, a nation that no one wanted to do business with of late, or well, since 1993, I think it is, because those 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 uh, businesses and companies that did deal with, with Sudan, because the fact Sudan was on the, the state sponsor of terrorism list, they might also be suffering from United States sanctions. So Sudan has been suffering financially for a long time because of this. Now that's gone away, and the United States, I think just last week or the week before, has said that Sudan is off the list, and so now foreign investment can flood into Sudan. That's their perk. And in terms of Morocco, this most recent normalization deal, of course, ties between Morocco and Israel have been pretty good uh, for quite some time. I think there's still, I, th oh, I think there's about a million uh, Israelis that, that owe some of their roots to Morocco. That's quite a massive number considering uh, the size, 8 million size of state of Israel. Um, but there have been some under-the-cover relationships uh, or under-the-radar under the relationships between Israel and, and Morocco for some time. This is really a renormalization of, of um, uh, relations between the two. Uh, but nevertheless, the United States administration decided that they were going to accept and recognize Morocco's claim over Western Sahara. Western Sahara, if it was... This is the state, to, well, the, the land towards the south of Morocco, uh, before the, the Spanish and the French did their little uh, occupation of that territory, it did belong to Morocco beforehand, uh, and it simply is going back to them. Of course, there's a whole other argument about the, the native people of that land. Um, however, the United States recognized that if this land is not to become a jihadi central, as it would, uh, then Morocco, a favorable nation of the West, should be in charge of it. Algeria, of course, is furious about this. The Polisario Front, which is the basically the group that is uh, that is takes orders from Algeria mainly, uh, that have tried that have tried to uh, wrest control over Western uh, West Sahara. Um, they're upset by this, obviously. Also, um, but going back two years ago, you had Morocco that banished the Iranian uh, ambassador from Rabat, the capital. Uh, because Iran was funding the Polisario Front, training them with Hezbollah fighters to fight against Morocco. And so the United States did a pretty good thing, it seems, something that Morocco wanted uh, to get recognition of this land as their own, and it was wise for the United States to do so, and so they did it to sweeten the deal. Now, 
What's interesting about this Morocco deal is that Israel basically had nothing to do with it. For the past six months or so, it's been Jared Kushner, the, the president's son-in-law, that's been traveling, well, has been talking about to Morocco, talking about ties. Israel's been out of it until about the last three weeks. And then they brought Israel in because the deal was closely uh, being close to coming to fruition. And what's interesting about that fact is it shows that these deals are done by the United States for the state of Israel. Why is the United States doing it? Of course, it's trying to get itself out of the region. And one of the ways of doing that is by making Israel's relationship with these other anti-Iranian allies strong. Um, but it also speaks to this relationship that we covered last week of this modern type of the ancient king Jeroboam, Jeroboam II. And you can go and back and listen to the entire podcast uh, from last week if you'd like to, to talk to, to understand the office that President Trump now holds. He is a type of that ancient King Jeroboam II that expanded the territory of the northern kingdom of Israel to its lengths, to its to greatest heights or equal almost equal to that of Solomon and David, and had a very strong relationship with the southern state or the southern nation of Judah, which is the modern descendants of the southern state of Judah, are the, is the Israeli state today. And plenty of your rabbis would um, agree with me with that. Uh, the Bible talks about that. I'm talking about the people that came back under Ezra and Nehemiah. Who were they? Well, they were Levites. They were Benjamites. They were Judaites. They were the Jews. The southern kingdom came back. Not all the northern tribes came back uh, that Jeroboam was, 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 was uh, in charge of. Nevertheless, Jeroboam, back in the 8th century, he did, by God's grace, save the northern tribes from going into captivity early because God was merciful. And because of him, and because God saved Israel through him, that is the ancient Israelites, uh, the southern kingdom of, of Judah thrived. And we are seeing that happen today. Again, this very close relationship, this unprecedented relationship between Israel and the state, uh, well, let's say the United States and the state of Israel. It is unprecedented. Everyone can see it. Everyone knows it. It took 40 years to get two peace deals before, Egypt and Jordan. And in the space of four months, there was four more. What's going on? These are unprecedented times. These are biblical times when biblical prophecies are coming to pass. And so we have a reorientated Middle East, a redefined Middle East, where the state of Israel is coming close to some Arab states, and it is going to push the populations of other Arab states in bed with none other than Iran. That's what our editor-in-chief, Mr. Gerald Flurry, has forecast in his book, The King of the South. And we're going to talk about that prophecy in a little bit. But I just want to do, do just want to quote to you uh, this article from George Friedman. Arab recognition of Israel redefines the Middle East. And so these deals have been set up by President Trump. They're coming to fruition. There will be more. There will be more. The one I'm speculating about or looking into is the big dog, which would be Syria. We know that Syria, based on biblical prophecy, is going to fall out of control of the Iranians. And what if, what if President Trump was able to do that, to do that himself in his second term? 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, going forward. But I do want to quote again from this article because we are concerned about what Iran thinks about it. And I'm not talking about Iran waging a war against Israel. I'm talking about I'm going to talk about them doing something else. And it falls right in line what with what George Friedman has written. This is what he says. The implicit alliance leaves Iran in an extremely difficult position. This is towards the end of his piece. The Arab world was hostile in many ways before. Now it's organized around Israeli power, making Israel even more dangerous to it. In addition to ruinous sanctions, internal political tension, and the potential threat of the United States, it, Iran, now faces the possibility not only of Arab hostility, but Arab alignment with Israel. In many ways, this is a worst-case scenario for Iran, and the intelligence services arrayed against it will do all they can to encourage the internal opposition. So there's that side of it. Things don't look that positive for Iran, do they, with all these peace deals? But what are they going to do? Iran's counter is a serious one, George Friedman writes. The recognition process leaves the Palestinians isolated from their former allies. These peace deals isolate the Palestinians from their former allies. Saudi Arabia, the UAE. Obviously, with these deals that have gone through, these Arab states are putting aside the Palestinian issue and saying that you Palestinians... You had your chance to work out peace with Israel. You haven't done it. And now we need Israel's help. And so we're pushing you to the side for a, t- for a time. That's what these Arab states are doing. Therefore, Friedman writes, Iran can portray itself reasonably as the only champion of the Palestinians and the only true enemy of Israel. The Arab states have regarded Palestine as a side issue for a long time. But the same is not always true for their citizens. Okay, now we're dealing with some pretty heavy realities in the Middle East. And that is that you have the rulers of Arab states that are doing all they can to preserve their rule. And oftentimes to do that, to preserve their rule, they have to hide their alliances with the state of Israel because being a friend with Israel is very unpopular among the Arab populace of their own states. The same is not always true for their citizens, meaning that the Palestinian issue is still an issue for the states, uh, for for the citizens of Saudi Arabia, for the citizens of Egypt. It's still a big deal. Iran's move, then, is to adopt the Palestinian cause as its own and speak to the Arab public that is, the Arab public in these other nations, in the other nations that have peace deals with Israel, to speak to the Arab public in terms of the betrayal of the Palestinians and capitulation to Israel. So that's what you need to watch for now. This has provided a a way for radical Islamic Iran to speak to the hearts of of many of the citizens of the Arab world. Of course, the Iranians are Persian. Uh, They aren't aren't Arabs. They follow 
Uh, most of them follow Shia version of Islam. Most of the Arabs follow Sunni, and they have often uh, the Sunni variant, and they have often throughout history been at war with each other. But biblical prophecy says, based on a prophecy found, we'll read that in a second in Daniel chapter eleven, that the Iran the Iranians are going to be in their own alliance with Sunni other Sunni Arab states. How does that come about? How does that come about when most of the Sunni world right now is allying with the state of Israel? George Friedman says that the Arab populations of those states still care a lot about the Palestinians. And the Arab populations of those states still don't care about Israel, even though their governments have. And there might be some outliers to this. The UAE is probably one. The citizens of the UAE are probably more open um, based on their average uh, income, I would say, they're, they're probably more open to the, a relationship with the state of Israel, the ordinary citizens. But not the Saudi citizens, not Egyptian citizens, not Jordanian citizens. They do not like Israelis. They do not like the state of Israel. And the only way that those nations can have a peace deal with the state of Israel is if... They've got, these leaders have got a strong command over their people. One thing that these Arab leaders fear most, the one thing they fear more than Iran is democracy. They fear it because they know that their populations will vote into power if given the chance Islamists. They would. We saw it. We saw it back in 2012 in Egypt, the most populous Arab state. What happened? The United States, under President Obama, knowing this, pushed out Mubarak, a strong man, of course, who wasn't the most, uh, let's say, uh, didn't lead the most in the most democratic way. However, he did put down the radical Islamist camp inside that nation. He did. He's taken out of the way by President Obama. There is an election, democratic election, the first democratic election in Egypt's history, and they elect a Muslim Brotherhood leader. And they start chanting, Jerusalem is our path, jihad is our way, or the other way around. They, they, were, ready to, they were ready to start marching. They started to have a very close relationship with Iran. Mahmoud Ahmadinejad joined Mohammed Morsi inside Cairo. They opened up their uh, diplomatic relations between the two states, as it hasn't been before. Now, that was a short-lived uh, trial of democracy inside Egypt at that time. But you saw about you saw this ultimate truism that exists in our in Arab states. If democracy has its way, if the will of the people has it has their way, they're not going to be normalizing with the state of Israel. That's done by Arab leaders that have a strong command of their population. And you will, you may see the Saudis try and do it. Uh, we'll see, but they have a huge population. A lot of uh, radicals that they have tried to keep a lid on for a long time would not be happy with that deal with the state of Israel. And so George Friedman writes here, it's not clear that any Arab regime will be forced to change policy or will be overthrown. So he's saying that Iran is going to try and speak to these Arab populations and say that you've been disenfranchised from what you really believe in by the head of your government. And he's saying that it might not be strong enough to overthrow the, their regimes, 
um, but it could be. Now, the Bible says that one regime that currently has a peace deal with Israel will change to being from being pro-Israel, or at least having a peace deal with Israel, to being pro-Iran. And we have seen it happen there before, and that, that nation is Egypt. Based on biblical prophecy, and this prophecy found in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40 to 45, which talks about a king of the south, a king of the south that pushes at a king of the north, which we're not going to get into all those details today, but um, basically, as, as Mr. Flurry proves in his book, The King of the South, which is available for you free upon request, he shows, and he's, he's been saying this for 30 years, that the king of the south in that prophecy, which is for the time of the end, as it says there at the start of that verse, um, that is radical Islam led by Iran. And radical Islam led by Iran is going to have a close alliance with Iraq, it's going to have a close alliance with Egypt, it's going to have a close reliance with uh, Libya, and it's also going to have a close reliance with, alliance with these nations on the eastern side, on the western side of the Red Sea Passageway, Sudan probably, uh, definitely Ethiopia going forward. Now, in talking talking in terms of Egypt, Egypt has a peace deal with Israel, but that peace deal is not going to last. Why? Because there is going to be another return to an Islamist government inside that country, and that is going to ally with Iran. And so you have George Friedman here coming out and saying, what's Iran's play? Iran's play is to trumpet that it is the only defender of Al-Quds. It is the only true adversary of the state of Israel. And your governments, those that with these peace deals, have betrayed fundamentally some of these chief tenets of what we fight for as, as Muslims. And we do not want Israel in the region. And the Bible says Iran's going to be successful at swaying the hearts and minds of some of the people in these populations, and some others it won't. And the, that, that the nations that it is going to be successful with, one of those is Egypt. It's not going to be successful with the Saudis. What's really interesting is about all of this is just how these peace deals from the Trump administration are pushing through right now with the state of Israel and other Arab states falling right in line with biblical prophecy. These are prophecies from thousands of years ago that have been expounded recently, especially in this book, The King of the South. And we are seeing them and seeing the situation created for their fulfillment right now in the Middle East uh, through the work of President Trump and the Iranian response to it. Please do go ahead and read for yourself the book, The King of the South. It's free Wherever you are in the world, we'll send it to you. You can get a copy of it. You can read it right now online. And it will guide your understanding of what Iran is doing and what, uh, what these peace deals are all about also. Thanks very much for listening in today. It's been a pleasure to be with you once again. Have a wonderful week, and I'll talk to you next Sunday.